Hello and welcome into NCBI's Technology Podcast. We're a little later than normal this month, and uh, apologies for that. But here we are, episode number 38, ready to rock you for July 2015. My name is Stuart Lawler. As always, thank you for subscribing to and downloading our monthly technology podcast. We're with you for just under an hour this month, and I do hope you're going to stay with us because we'll be meeting Sharon Lyons for another installment of Sharon's Shortcuts, and we'll be asking why and finding out why Sharon Lyons has no hair, or at least very little hair. So do stay listening. It's kind of good. Salim Rahman's along to talk all about iOS 9, Apple's new operating system, which is going to come out in September, and the eagerly awaited Apple Music. Finally, I'll be meeting Connor McGuire, a recently a recently recruited NCBI technology volunteer. That's all coming up on this month's edition of NCBI's Technology Podcast. Thanks, as always, to everybody who's been getting in touch uh, following last month's podcast. It's always nice to get feedback from listeners, and you can do that at any time by sending an email to technologypodcast at ncbi.ie. Um, you, you know, it's, it's really interesting. I've just been chatting to people, coming in and out of NCBI, a couple of people on the phone, and just bring up in conversation that they're enjoying the podcast. And they may not be people who get in touch regularly, but people are listening and enjoying what we're producing. If you have ideas, you'd like to contribute, you have suggestions or there's things you think we could be doing better, please do get in touch. That uh, all-important email address again, technologypodcast at ncbi.ie. Now, on the 14th and 15th of July, uh, that's uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, the uh, annual Site Village Assistive Technology Exhibition in Birmingham is taking place, probably the biggest one in the UK, it's fair to say, at uh, the New Bingley Hall in Birmingham. Uh, If you are interested in going to that, uh, have a look online and look at your flights if you're coming from Ireland and uh, we'll be at Site Village and recording some interviews that we'll be bringing to you over the next couple of months. On the 29th of July, Microsoft are going to be launching Windows 10. There's been lots of talk about this. Uh, you've probably heard mention to it, mention of it in the last little while, and you may have even seen a notification on your computer asking you if you'd like to install Windows 10 when it is ready. Well, Colin Kenny from our IT department is strongly advising all NCBI service users to hold off on installing Windows 10 because we're still trying to see how it's going to impact with different assistive technologies that are being used. It's something that we're not really going to know until after July 29th, so we are asking people just to hold off a little while until we can be best placed to support you uh, when you're making that change to Windows 10. For example, if you have older access technology, there's no guarantee that it's going to work with the new operating system. We will, in August, be speaking with Paul Trainer, our Chief Tech Support Officer, and we'll be talking about Windows 10 and some of the changes. And also in August, we're going to speak with Colin Kenny. Um, of course, many people will know Colin if you ring into NCBI, if you're purchasing equipment, if you're getting equipment repaired, he's the guy you're talking to. So want to find out a bit more about him. He'll be coming up in August too. But for the moment, if you can hold off on installing Windows 10 just for a little while, it would be fantastic.
time again for a feature that's becoming more popular by the month. Delighted to welcome back Sharon Lyons for Sharon Sh- Sharon's Shortcuts. I think we're into um, number four at this stage, Sharon. Number four. Wow. But, uh, very nice to have you back. <laughs> Thank you, Stuart. I-, I have to say, before we start on a little uh, lifestyle piece, I suppose, before we talk about technology, um, oh, yes. I've been told, and indeed I have even felt and we'll talk about that in a sec that you're that you certainly feel different uh, you look different you don't sound different I but, don't sound different but okay. if, if we were using a video cast um, yes. people could see why you look different to me yes indeed um, myself and my husband did uh, shave or die for the Irish Cancer Society uh, three weeks ago so um, I actually went for the shave and I had no hair <laughs> and it's growing back though thank god it's growing back um, and my husband dyed his hair blue bright blue well, just just for for a second <laughs> because uh, so as a guy and but for people who don't know I have pretty short hair and I get it shaved every eight or so weeks but right. what was it like for you because you you had long hair flowing hair to have it all taken off was that sort of psychologically <laughs> it was pretty drastic but it was funny I didn't feel any different and um, thanks to a lot of support from my friends and family, um, I kind of uh, they, they all reckon it suits me really well, and they've all been wonderful to me, so I, I haven't been too upset all right, fantastic. <laughs> about it. I, I must stick, we, we will, on the show notes, by the way, for this episode, have a look at the show notes, guys, because we're putting up Sharon's YouTube video, which tracks that very, <laughs> um, very, very cool journey to shorter hair and uh, dyed hair for her husband, so... Well done, Sharon. Thank you. Now, we've had some nice feedback and read Sharon's shortcuts. Eleanor Burke got, uh, got in touch mm-hmm. and really is really enjoying them, Sharon. Really enjoys your teaching style and Great. wonders whether we could put them all together in one episode. And Eleanor is clearly was reading our minds. Oh, yeah. Uh, because, yeah, because uh, we were talking about that. Um, you mentioned that. Uh, last month I think yeah. maybe to put them all together in a bumper issue so we're hoping to release a block issue of Sharon's Shortcuts around the time of Christmas it'll be your Christmas present um, <laughs> we'll release another edition of Sharon's Shortcuts all the episodes put into one uh, that you can easily download and keep and Brian Harchton from the UK got in touch mm-hmm. on Twitter really enjoys uh, the, the series and just wanted me to remind people that a lot of the keystrokes we gave last time uh, work best in 2010 we were talking yes. about Word 2010 they do not unfortunately yes. work in 2013 yeah so we're always using um, we're using a Windows 7 machine and it's Office 2010 Word 2010 that we are using yeah and, and I suppose also most of what we've done to date has been with JAWS but we've pretty much anything we've done has not been screen reader specific so it hasn't it hasn't because that, it, they're, they're all shortcuts that I use all the time and I don't use a screen reader so okay. they're all standard um, shortcuts yeah. Okay, fantastic. Great. So, Sharon, one of the things that uh, you wanted to follow on from the last time we talked, we were talking all about the importance of saving. I was telling the, the tragic yes. story of my sister when she oh. lost all her, her oh, stuff. No. Yeah. But you've described what you call your nervous twitch, which is that control and S key. <laughs> yes, that's right. So we were talking about save as and saving a document for the first time, um, changing the location of where you want to save it, all that jazz last month. And I forgot to mention that once you've actually saved something, you've named it and um, you're then making changes to it, I find that I, I just hit the control S every so often. So when I'm, I'm typing away and then I stop to think about what I'm going to write next and I just do control S. <laughs> and it's kind of automatic now, so that's why I call it my nervous twitch. Yeah. Because then I know that whatever happens, if the power goes or whatever, I know that... Um, 
that I, I'm my saved copy is as up to date as it can be. That's great because there's no dialogue or anything. You just press Control S, it's saved, yes. and you do nothing. Yeah. Okay. So so use that key. Control S is a, is your friend very much. Yes. Now um, I suppose. Knowing where your files are is one thing, and we'll probably talk about that at some point, but being able to find them and navigate a large amount of files in an efficient manner, I think, is very important. And there's some folders you come into, and maybe if if your filing system isn't great, you might have hundreds of files, and you're trying to find one. That can be difficult, can't it? It definitely can, yes. And there's some great shortcuts for making this much, much quicker. Um, So, um, shall I drive? Oh, please drive. (laughs) (laughs) So we're just on our our computer here. And and what I'm going to do is, um, let's see now. I'm going to, uh, I have a shortcut on the desktop that goes to the documents folder on this computer so I do Windows hold down Windows press D for desktop uh, some people actually prefer Windows N I can almost hear people <laughs> saying I use Windows N that's a throwback to the old Windows 95 days. oh is it yeah, yeah. we used to do oh, for some nostalgic, reason nostalgic nostalgic yeah, yeah. Um, I do Windows D but Windows M is the same it, it basically means minimise everything else and, uh, and focus on the desktop so Windows D for desktop Windows D desktop folder view list view documents dash shortcut 15 of 22 to move to items use the arrow keys to oh, edit the selected <laughs> item press F2 it remembers from before um, because I was just testing this before our recording so it's actually on the, the documents shortcut um, but when you're when you're on the desktop um, if you if you have an idea visually of how the desktop's laid out, it's, it's um, several different shortcuts to programs on the computer, and they're arranged in a grid. So you could have several columns of these icons on the desktop. Um, so arrowing around to find what you want isn't the most uh, efficient way. And so what I do is I press the first letter of what I want. So just for, to illustrate, I'm already on documents, but I'll press D. And it will basically go to anything beginning with D on the desktop. D, Dolphin Guide. Okay, we have Dolphin Guide software, so it's, it's jumped to the Dolphin Guide shortcut. And if I press D again, it will go to the next thing beginning with D. D, Documents dash shortcut. And that's my Documents shortcut. So there are actually two things beginning with D on the desktop, so I only have to press it um, once or twice to get to the Documents shortcut. And then I just press Enter. Enter documents, items view, multi-select list box, not selected, I squared, 07 slash 04 slash 2015, 14, 46, file folder, 1 to 15. Okay, I have um, a view set up called details, which actually uh, gave me all that information, uh, the date last, date modified, and uh, what type of uh, item it is. It's, it's calling out the first item on the list, and I think it said I squared, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Do you know what that is, Stuart? Uh, AI squared. AI squared. Yeah, that's a folder put in do- my documents. Um, well, in the documents folder uh, because we also have Zoom text, uh, which is made by AI squared. So it's a folder that it's it's placed there as part of the installation of Zoom text. Um, but all, if I hear I squared, I know I'm in my documents folder. So I I actually prefer a view called list. So if I do Alt menu bar, v, v, menu status bar to navigate, press up or down arrow B. Alt V is for view, and then I arrow X down large icons, X. to list. Large icons, medium icons, and small icons, and list L. 
I think um, the other great thing about the list view, Sharon, mm, mm. from a, I suppose in particular from a screen reader's perspective, you don't know if you're in column view where mm. where files goes back to this idea of the desktop again. Yes, it's yes. not an efficient way to navigate. Oh, do I go right? Do I go down? Mm-hmm. If everything is in a list view, you're just going from top to bottom up and down and you just keep going if you want to use the arrow key down to keep going through your files you can yes exactly so it's just to simplifies it a, a bit and it just makes it more of a kind of linear more of a logical view of a list of files so okay so now we well, now we have a nice easy to read list now again like the desktop if i know the first letter of what I'm looking for, I can press it. For example, I think we created a document called Test or Podcast Test oh, or something yeah, like that. Time. So yeah. if I pressed T, it will go through everything beginning with T. Test for podcast. Brilliant. And there it is. Okay. And then I could press Enter to open that. But if I, um, if maybe I was looking for something called PowerPoint example or something like that i could press p p port scan attack message p powerpoint practice powerpoint practice there and i could press enter to open that so the first letter if you can imagine if you had hundreds and hundreds of files in a in a in a folder but you knew what you were looking for you could just press the first letter yeah i remember having something with uh with z before and you (laughs) just hit z and it it jumps down to the z because it does this it does list them alphabetically then doesn't it it does when they're in that list view yeah yeah unless you sorted them differently like you can change the way that files are displayed but by default they're always in alphabetical order okay because there's ways isn't there you can sort of say the the one that was created earliest or latest or whatever but but generally it is alphabetical or you can organise them by size. Okay, so we've so we've seen the, how you can, I suppose, list files so that you just use your arrow keys if you wish. Mm-hmm. You can type or you can press the first. You can do as we call it in in the screen reading world, first letter navigation. Yes. To move to the the the, the, the file that starts at the letter that you've pressed, mm-hmm. or you can do something with the home and end keys. Can't you? Oh yeah, this is great. So um, if I want to go back to the top of the list of files that I'm in, I just press home, the home key. Oh, I squared. And there's good old I squared again. <laughs> and if I want to go to the end of the list, I press the end key. And test for podcast. And test for podcast is actually the last the last one on the list. And that's very handy for, for jumping around um, as handy as the first letter navigation. Okay. Now, if you go into a, into a folder, so there, mm. there could be a folder in here, and sometimes people wonder, because, and it is a, a sort of a very, you would think it's an obvious thing, but it's not always obvious, how do I get back out of that folder? How do oh, I move yes. back to the previous one? Oh, yes. Um, okay, so if I go back to the top again, home. Oh, I squared. I squared. I press enter to open that folder. Enter, I squared. Items view, multi-select list box. Not selected, zoom, text 10, one of one. There's only one thing in there, but I want to go back up to the documents. I would just press the backspace key, which is just above the enter key. So backspace will actually bring you up a level in your folder structure. So here we go. Documents, items, view, multi-select list box, I squared, one of 15. And we're back up to uh, the documents folder. We've talked before about the importance of having 
systems, I suppose, when you're using PC and a mm. particular file management system. And I know this is just the start of what we're doing now. We're just exploring mm. how to navigate because if you build, I suppose, Sharon, a system, a good system from the start, and if you have folders, you know, I suppose, relevant to whatever area it is, maybe it's your household accounts mm-hmm. or it's, it's something mm-hmm. for work or your education, it's it's so much easier, isn't it, to sort of oh, find yes. stuff? Yes, folders are great. Um, and once you kind of learn to go in and out of folders like that, you press enter to open a folder, press backspace key to come back up to the, the previous level in your folders. Um, it's, it's, it doesn't matter how many folders you have then. You can have everything sectioned off into different compartments or different folders. And it's very easy to create a new folder as well. There's a keystroke. <laughs> um, so if I wanted to create a new folder in my documents uh, area, I would do Control, Shift, and N. Control, Shift, N. Edit. New folder. Type of text. So control shift N, yeah. I just want to tell people listening to this podcast and I'm deadly serious, I have just learned a new shortcut. Live. No way. I did not know that keystroke. I thought you taught no. me that one. Oh okay, that must have been another one that Because the way I used to I, the, the way I used to create a folder, and this yours is much more efficient, I used to use that all important applications key you yeah. and I talked about before. And then go to go new, down to new and uh, enter oh my and then God. find a Microsoft Word doc, well, um, sorry, find a folder. Yeah. Stuart yeah. learns a new keystroke on the podcast. Uh, Brilliant. Thank you. I didn't think that was possible so control shift and n to create a new folder yes and it says new folder i think it says something like type in text or or something um so we can straight away type in the name for our folder so maybe i will call it uh podcast files right and I press enter to accept there it is great uh, when you uh, the other thing I was just going to say when you when you have this list in the default view as we have with the list mm-hmm. the folders are listed first alphabetically aren't they, they and then are. your files start yes yes the folders are always at the top of the list but that's a good point because um, if I arrow down now trainees local files trainees local files that's a folder Basics. Basics is a file. So, Chinese local files. Chinese local files is a folder. Podcast files. Podcast files is a folder. Outlook files. Okay. Guide documents. Okay, they they kind of sound a bit like folders Mm. because of the names that are given to them, but there's no indication apart from visually there's a different icon next to the name of the folder or the file. So if I arrow back down again, well, I could press B for that basics. B, basics. Because we could have created a folder called basics as well. You could, yeah, yeah, quite easily. So just to add to the confusion, there could be two basics (laughs) and we wouldn't necessarily know which one's which. Yeah, exactly. So the way that we get around this is that we can change the view again, um, slightly more complicated than just changing to list view. But what we'll do is we'll actually get the computer to display the file extensions. Uh, so that all the files in the folder will actually have an extension like, for example, .doc or .docx or .xls or .ppt. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to put my teeth back in. <laughs> um, so, yeah, PPT is PowerPoint. Doc is uh, Microsoft Word. Um, that kind of thing. Or, or .html for a 
website or web page sorry or even you might have for example .mp3 is your audio yes. files or yep. .dot uh, maybe somebody using WMA yes uh, does uh, JPG isn't it JPG it for photo yeah. yeah all of those file extensions is um, it is it important to know those extensions I, I suppose it's it, I mean, it certainly helps, but is it is it useful for the average user to, to have a, some sense of those extensions? Well, I think it's good to know um, because you, you can tell from the file extension what type of file it is straight away, okay. you know. Um, as I say, visually, the, all the files have a different picture beside them. So if you can see the icon, you can tell what type of file it is. But of course, if you can't see the icon, it's not a lot of good. So if you put the file extension in instead, then you've got an extra indication of what, what type of file you're dealing with. Okay. And just makes things more efficient. Okay. So this is a little bit complicated, but I'll try and explain it as best I can. So um, I'm going to um, go to the view menu again. Alt E, menu, status bar, to navigate, press up or down arrow, D. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm going to come out of that. It's the tools menu. I thought that didn't sound right. We'll go to the tools menu. Alt-T for the tools menu, and then I'll arrow down to folder options. Disconnect network drive dot dot dot. The open sync center dot dot dot. Folder options dot dot dot. Oh. Folder options. Okay. And press enter on that. Enter. Leaving menus. Documents. Items. View. Multi select list box. Basics. 8016. Folder options. Dialog. General page. General page. Browse folders. Open each folder in the same window. Radio button checked. One of two. To change the selection, press up or down arrow. Alt plus M. Jaws has a lot to say sometimes, doesn't he? Exactly. <laughs> I thought I'd let him finish. Just only polite. Um, now, there's several pages of settings in this dialog box. So this is a folder options dialog box. And um, I'm going to change the page to go to the, the view tab. So I do control and tab. So hold down control and press tag tab. And it will change the page of settings. View page. You can apply the view left parent, such as details or icons, right parent that you are using for this folder to all folders of this type. Okay. Three, one, three view files. We're not going to do that. Now I'm going to um, arrow down. Level one. Always show icons. Never thumbnails. Dash off. One of eighteen. And here is a lot of settings. So I'm arrowing down, and I'm looking for something to do with. Um, uh, extensions, file extensions. Always show menus dash off. Nope. Display file icon on thumbnails dash on. Nope. Display file size information and folder tips dash on. And it's saying whether things are on or off. Display the full path and the title bar left parent classic theme only right parent dash off. Okay. Hidden files and folders open. Hidden files and folders, we don't level need any of that. Level one. Hide empty drives in the computer folder dash on. Seven of eighteen. Hide extensions for known file types dash on. Here we go. Hide extensions for known file types. So that's what, two, four, six. It's something like the, the eighth setting down in the list. And so it's a bit of a kind of like uh, you have to say yes to say no or no to say yes. So okay. it says <laughs> hide extensions for known file types is on. So I want to switch that off so it won't hide the file extensions. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So I press the space bar. Space, hide extensions for known file types, dash off. Okay, and so now it's changed to off. to off. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then I tab to OK. Tab, restore defaults, tab, OK button to activate, press space bar. And 
Enter documents. Items view multi select list box. Basics 8 of 16. Basics.html. There we go. Ah. So as if by magic, we now know that Basics is a HTML file. So if it had just said Basics now, the Basics would be a folder, and then there might be another Basics yes. with .html. Yeah, okay. so if I arrow up again uh, to our new folder. Trainee podcast files. Podcast okay. files, that's a yeah. folder. Trainee local files. Folder. That's a folder. Basics.html. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Example Microsoft Word document one dot doc. And you got the dot doc on that one. Uh, so, and so on. So would you... Uh, would you suggest people should, I suppose, turn on these extensions? Because it, it certainly gives useful information, doesn't it? Well, cer- certainly if people have any issues with trying to figure out what's a folder and what's a file, yeah, I'd, I'd switch them on and then you're just better informed about what type of file you're dealing with, yeah. Okay, some great useful tips there. Um, I, I think there's probably, we could do so many things around file management, and I'm sure we'll come back to file management in the future, Sharon. Yes, we will, yeah, I'm sure. Um, any requests are greatly, gratefully received, uh, yeah, absolutely. anything in particular, yeah. Uh, Technology podcast at ncbi.ie. We always like to hear your comments, and Sharon is going on holidays in August, but I think we'll, we, you might be able to come back just oh, before you leave. Oh, yeah, I okay. might just, I'll just squeeze one in. Thanks, Lillian. Okay, Sharon, <laughs> we'll see you in August, and as always, thanks very much. Thanks. Now, on the 8th of June last, Apple um, launched or continued the tradition of their WWDC, that's the Worldwide Developer Conference. The first day of that event is always exciting because it's when Tim Cook, Apple CEO, along with other senior managers, take to the stage to show off all that's new uh, in the year ahead with Apple products. And this year, of course, uh, the big talk was iOS 9 and Apple Music, and there are other things as well that we're going to flag. We're delighted to be joined to help us analyze some of what went on on by Apple guru, friend of the podcast, Salim Rahman. Welcome back, Salim. Thanks very much, Stuart. Good to have you yeah. back. Um, <laughs> were you. you were you excited by WWDC, first of all, in general? Because I didn't actually watch it live this year. Uh, I was actually, yes. Um, I was excited because uh, I wanted to see what's new and uh, I'm really happy actually what's, what's coming up. Uh, not because feature-wise, but you know what I'll be talking about is stability and... Um, Bugs will be gone, hopefully, most of it. So it's going to be more stable, better I, than iOS 8 anyway. I, I think <laughs> that's really interesting. Yeah. And, and I think it's a good point to make before we start talking about specifics, because there are not, yes. you know, if you look at this, especially with the new iPhone software, iOS 9, you kind of go, mm. there's not a lot of new features. In fact, there's hardly any, mm. but it is going to be, by all accounts, a lot more stable. iOS 8 really yeah. had lots of problems in the first days, hadn't it? It did. It definitely did, yeah. So we, so it looks like this is going to be significantly more stable. Yeah. Um, so maybe we should talk about the first feature, which you and I were chatting about off air and we're kind of excited about. And mm-hmm. it's a feature called Proactive. And it's about yeah. contextualizing things that you're doing, yeah? Exactly, yes. So basically what this does is um, it will allow you, you know, to, um, you know, say you check your Twitter in the morning or say email, for example. And it will actually put that um, up first on the list. So when you unlock your iPhone, it'll actually maybe go into actually the email app for you. And if you say in the afternoon, uh, you check your Twitter, it will actually put that on the list as well, second. So it actually keeps tracking you, basically, what you're doing on the phone. And, it'll, you know, based on that, it will uh, allow you to check 
whatever is relevant to you, you know. I was, I, I, I was reading an article about this one, mm. Salim, after it came out, you know, because loads of people write about these things and somebody was saying yeah. it could be seen as being intrusive. But the other side of that is yeah. it will probably make life a lot quicker. You're not going to have to scroll yes. around to these apps because the phone will almost yeah. know you like to check your exactly. email first thing in the morning. There's your email. There's your email, exactly. Um, the other interesting thing about proactive, there was two things that struck me. First of all, if you get a call from somebody and yeah. your, your, uh, the, the person's number is not in your contacts, the, a proactive will actually, within a, within a matter of presumably milliseconds, flick mm. through your email and see if it can find their yeah. number in there. It can find, exactly, yeah. And it, and it will offer you the chance to add them to your contacts. Yeah, I think, again, yeah, that's very, that's trying to make life easy again. I think it's, it's pretty good, you know. Um, yeah, it's about being it's about it's being fun. more efficient. And the other thing that's uh, nice about proactive, you book a flight and you get that little reminder email from the, the airline company confirming your details and it has the dates. Proactive will say, hey, I'll put this in your calendar for you. Yeah. Now, I have to say, uh, people who listen using Android, uh, a friend mm-hmm. of mine was telling me a couple of months ago um, that Google apparently have had that for a little while. So Android people may not be as excited <laughs> about that. But it's a mm-hmm. it's a good one. Um, mm-hmm. There there are also some location based reminders are getting a bit of an update. So apparently, for people who get into their car after a day of work yep. and pair their phone to Bluetooth, mm-hmm. it'll say you need to call and get milk on your way home. Yeah. So to make it even better, what you can do actually with this thing, it's it's to do with Siri, for example. So you know you could be in Safari and you think, oh, this is a very interesting article. I want to read it later on. So you can say, remind me. Um, remind me about this. You just say that. Remind me about this, and it knows. Uh, basically, you're in Safari, so you want to be reminded about, about whatever article you wanted. You know, so it's not like, oh, I'm not sure what you you mean. You know, the way it gives you a list. Do you mean this, yeah. this, this? Yeah, yeah. It's just gonna know where you are, and it's just gonna remind you then. So it's a more intelligent way, I suppose, intelligent. Of, of using yeah. using using your phone. Um, yeah. One of the one of the big criticisms of of the iPhone, and I think to be fair, this has improved over the years, is battery drainage and, and general battery usage. Oh yes, uh, Apple are claiming mm-hmm. significant um, enhancements with iOS nine for the battery. So yeah, are you excited so you're going to get a one hour extra with uh, with that with iOS nine, and uh, to top it off, you're going to get another uh, kind of a toggle you can actually turn on if you say you have a twenty percent battery left. It's going to work for another three hours. Oh, my God. After that. A magic battery yeah. that you don't know about. <laughs> if you're a news junkie, Salim, there is an app yeah. which which strikes me as being a, a kind of, um, is it like an RSS reader that, that you can kind of put news it's Basically, into? you know um, Flipboard? Yeah. Yeah. It's basically similar to that. Um, that's why the way, I, the way I'm reading it, uh, you know, and people are talking about it, it's like an RSS, RSS feed um, like Flipboard. So... You can see all, you know, at the beginning of the application, when you're setting it up, it asks for your preferences. So technology, um, sports, whatever, you, you okay. choose that. And then yep. based on that, you get different. So obviously the, the kind of things that you like to read about, it will pull news yep. from different sources about that topic. Exactly, yeah. Mm, sounds like sounds like a very good. And, and mm. will this be, because I remember when Newsstand was launched a couple of yes. years ago, I was kind of excited about it, but it never Me really, too, it, it never no. took off for voiceover, sure didn't. No, it didn't. Um, I'm not sure. I think it was a. Uh, I think there was guidelines, but no one really followed it or some yeah. issue there. But that's gone now. Sure. Yeah. No, it's good. Yeah. Good. Good for that. <laughs> I'm glad yeah, to see exactly. that. Um, I, I also read something about Passbook, 
that that Apple are kind of not as excited about Passbook as they were. I, I'm not sure. So just for people who don't know, Passbook is a, an app that you can kind of store your electronic tickets if you go, you're going yes. to a concert or an event or even plane t- some um, plane tickets and airline companies are using it now. But that uh, it may be changing. So I don't know. Yeah, uh, Passbook. I think Passbook is just. It's. I think the name is going to be changed. It's going to be called Wallet. Oh, okay, but it'll still do. Still do the same. Yeah, same same thing. But I think it's it's going to be integrated with uh, your Apple Pay. So okay. basically, you can have uh, credit cards saved, um, and it will basically be integrated with that. So you can have loyalty cards. You know, you, you get yeah. your loyalty. Yeah. Okay, card, so you can that. have your loyalty card in your in your Apple Wallet. Yes, exactly. Now, speaking of Apple Pay, um, Apple Pay, as the, it was an article here that we linked to on the show notes, Apple Pay hops the pond. It's going to be all over the UK. We're not getting it just yet. No, uh, apparently Northern Ireland is getting it, but uh, they can use it in Ireland. I, I was reading an article as well, actually. They can use that in some of the, uh, some of the I think it was KFC. You say, if you're, if you're from Northern Ireland, for example, or the UK, and you come to Ireland, you can actually use that here. But we can't But you can't do it the other way. Okay, <laughs> Okay, and 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 is is that linked to to something to do with the fact that we're in the, you know, Apple have blocks of countries, so the UK, yes. Germany, US, they're always first to get things, and then yeah. we're in the second set. Is that is that connected yeah. with that? I wonder. I think so, um, and probably it's probably some agreements. They're not. I think Ireland's probably not on their priority list to talk to countries. I, I think that's one of the another reason as well. I think you know. Okay. Hopefully, um, hopefully we're going to get there someday. So hopefully, yeah. Because yeah. Apple Pay strikes me as a very secure way as well for people who are visually impaired to know exactly yeah. what they're being charged. Mm-hmm. And I suppose as well, sometimes people are conscious of carrying money and maybe taking cards out or taking money out and sort of yeah. saying, am I giving you a 20 or a 10? And yeah, exactly. It kind of eliminates all that, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It's more secure, as you said, yeah. It's better as well. You can check the receipt yourself. You're like, oh, yeah. I pay for that cool yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that sounds right I was uh, reading an article about Starbucks a couple of months yep. ago they were talking about how Starbucks was working with Apple Pay in the States and you go up to the till you have your coffee and they say yep. to you oh good morning Mr. Raman thank you very much and it's like oh god that's all like they know your your details pop up on screen they know your name it's, yep. it's, uh, it's exactly. interesting it is the way of the future I think you know it is yeah I think so definitely yeah Uh, the Apple Watch is getting an update. Unfortunately, neither Salim or myself have the Apple Watch. Um, and I mean, Apple Watch has been one of these things that it, it is a version one product. And it I is. know a lot of people I've talked to have kind of said, yeah, it's a nice thing to have. But as to the real actual usefulness of it, I think the jury's out a bit, you know. Uh, definitely. I, I was actually supposed to get it. And then I said to myself, listen, things are... Uh, as, as you said, a version one, I think I'd probably wait for version two and then... It probably, you know, you add more features to it, you know. Yeah, and as the community of app developers continue to develop yes. for it, I think it's going to become more more useful, you know. More useful, definitely, yeah. So Apple Watch mm-hmm. has an update, and, and again, that's going to come out. iOS 9 is actually not, it's not in public beta at the moment, it's in private no. beta. But uh, yes. the Apple have a new program where you can try out uh, betas free of charge, and I think they're going to launch iOS 9 in July. In July, yes. Uh, yeah, for the public beta, it would be in July. For the yeah. public beta, exactly. And uh, for, sorry, before we go on to the other thing, um, the music, you know, the Apple Music, that's going to be launched on the 30th of June. So I think once this podcast is out, you should be able to try that. And uh, it runs for 30, oh no, sorry, three months. 
So let's talk about Apple yeah. Music because that's probably the, this was the biggest announcement. They left it to the yes. end. They they did a big big plug for Apple Music. So Apple are competing with Spotify over here and Pandora yeah. in the US, and and there's a couple of other streaming services like uh, Amazon and of course obviously Google Music just went free a couple of days ago. Where, yeah, only for the US though. Only for the US. Okay. Yeah. Where, where do you think? What do you think of Apple Music? What's your thoughts around sort of the the where will it fit into this sort of space that everybody's already linked to streaming services? I think it's going to take off. I'll tell you why. Because it's going to be on the iPhone. You know, once you open your iPhone, it's just going to be there looking at you and saying, listen, you want to try this for six, uh, three months if you haven't already. And obviously, it's no harm in trying some free, you know. And it's just going to suck you in, basically, into the into the Apple ecosystem. Yeah. And Apple Music no. is free for three months. You yeah. can play, apparently, they say you can stream virtually anything from yeah. the iTunes store. So it's in the iTunes yeah. store. You can stream Most it, of the thing you can and you'll be able to download music to your device for offline listening. And as long as you keep paying the monthly cost, which will be nine—I presume it's going to be nine euros ninety-nine over here. Uh, it is. I can confirm that. Yeah, okay. it's nine ninety-nine. So nine ninety-nine per month. You get the first three months free. So July, you wouldn't actually pay till the end of September if you sign up at the beginning of July. And there, we're also going to have a radio station called Beats. Beats, Beats One, basically. Yeah. So this guy uh, Zane Lowe, I think, is a DJ in from the BBC. Well, used to be. And he's going to have shows and some other DJs, I think. So basically, it's not going to be his computer, you know, randomly playing stuff. It's going to be uh, curated by him, you know. Okay. I was reading an article about Beats 1. There's going to be celebrities hosting shows as well. Apparently, Elton John has been signed up to do something. So interesting to see where that goes. Some of the other rappers as well. Dr. Dre, I think some of them. Where are we on the the sort of... um, Because this will require an update to iOS 8.4. Is that right? Yes. So, sorry, yeah. Uh, iOS 8.4 will be coming out on the 30th of June. So that's um, that would be int- integrated there. Uh, obviously, it's not available on iOS 8.3 yet. Uh, so the music so, app and the is... And this revamped, revamped uh, music app as well. music app is slightly different, yeah, mm. exactly. So yeah. you'll have a slightly new music app, and as part of this, you'll get the this new iTunes music. Now, just yeah. to, to, to confuse the issue more, is this separate to iTunes Radio, which we don't have access to anyway in, in Ireland? I think what they did was, I think they actually... T- that's going to be... Um, how do you say it? it's it's going to be integrated so it's not going to be it's they're going to change it from iTunes radio to that beats okay so that so, won't be available so we're going so so we're going to get beats music instead of iTunes yeah. radio i suppose instead of exactly yeah so i think iTunes radio is going to be gone yeah. it's just going to be renamed called beats okay. beats music or beats one and that's available that's going to be available in uh, in ireland as well Okay, and presumably a little bit like Spotify in that, you know, there are certain uh, markets, I suppose, where certain songs, they don't have a license to make it available, and you even get that with iTunes. But there's, if the, if, almost, if if most of the iTunes catalogue is available, that's a fair amount of music, you know? It is, yeah. And of course, the big piece of news was in relation to Taylor Swift, wasn't it? Uh, For a week or so, she (laughs) she got Apple to change their policy. (laughs) Yes, you did. Actually, that was pretty good, actually. I don't know. I think it's, uh, yeah, well done to the, and they need to get some money, I suppose, you know. Um, Yeah, she was part of that, but yeah, that um, changing of that policy. Um, yeah, so I think a lot of musicians have been, I know some artists have been complaining about Spotify saying that the rates they get are so low, it's just not worth their while, and especially for small bands, maybe, who want the exposure. Yeah. Um, but uh, per people like Taylor Swift have been very vocal about saying, yeah, we need, sure. to, we need to get the money, we, we, we'd like our music to be available, we want our fans to be able to hear it. 
but yeah. we still need to be paid something. So it looks like Apple have reached an agreement and she will mm. be debuting on the 30th Her, of June. Was it 1989 album? 1989 album is going to be on the 30th of June. I can't wait to listen to that. I'm going I'm to I'm listen first thing. I want to hear Taylor yeah. Swift. I think that's going to be the first album. So Apple Music is, is free to anyone with an iTunes, you know, presumably if you have an iPhone, you have an iTunes account for the first yeah. three months. For the first three months, exactly. Yeah. And if you're if you're in a family, I believe for fourteen euros you 14, can get six people. Fourteen ninety nine. Yeah, it's fourteen ninety nine. Yeah, for the six people, and it's going to be not the same account. It's going to have different um, accounts. So That's it's right. not going to be just yeah. So you can you well. can listen to listen to different things at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, with different accounts as well. I think if I'm wrong. So I suppose just to, to sort of, if we to recap on iOS 9, it's not going to be full of a whole load of new features. And there, to be fair, this is very early on in the beta stage. So there probably will be other little features they will tell us about later. But yeah. it's going to be, I think, Salim, a lot more probably refined. And hopefully those people who update their devices will not have the same issues. One of the other things I read is that um, phones like the 4S and the older mm-hmm. iPods, uh, sorry, the older iPads are going to be supported. Mm-hmm. They are supported, yeah. That's the first time actually they have done this, actually. Um, and I was surprised to, to hear this, but uh, well done to that, actually. They have uh, so they're supporting that as well uh, to for iOS 9. Now, there won't be some functionalities uh, available, but still, it's going to be on the latest version. I think Apple in the past were criticized for almost forcing people to buy new technology. Yeah. And I suppose there was a lot of older equipment that was lying around on older operating systems that app developers yeah. may not have been supporting. So now it's, this is a chance for people who just may have a perfectly good working uh, iPhone or iPad to upgrade and get, as you said, most of the features of yeah, iOS 9. most of the features. And plus, there's, there's another thing as well they, they've improved on, which is, uh, remember, the update used to take a lot of, I can't remember how many gigs, but it was yeah, a lot of four gigs. or something, yeah. <laughs> yeah, now it's that, that's... Um, Strip down as well. So, so it can take one gig or something. Yeah. So if, if you're not if you're not beta testing this, and, and you know, I, I'm very cautious to advise anyone to beta test iOS, by the way, if you only have one device, mm. please don't, don't oh, do yeah. it. Yeah, please don't, not your uh, daily driver. Do not do it. So if you're if you're not going to do that, you'll get the update sometime in September, uh, I think. Yeah. They, then they will, they'll give a, a launch date a bit nearer to the time. Yeah, and Twitter usually you get kind of problems, you know. But Apple said, listen, we didn't ask you to install yeah, it. Yeah, and in fairness, so, Apple so, do do yeah. tell you, do not run this on your main phone or your main exactly. uh, tablet or whatever it is. So iOS yeah. 9, it's exciting. But even before iOS 9, you can try Apple Music, which is probably the big thing they talked about yeah. from the 30th of June and uh, see if you like it. And as I say, sign up for three months. It's not going to cost you anything. Sure. Salim, we'll have you back in September, I hope, to go more into those features and talk about what the update is really like. But for the moment, uh, thanks a million for joining us. Uh, no problem, sure. Now, over the last couple of months on our podcast, we've been talking to some of the people who make NCBI technology services real for so many of our service users all over Ireland. We've spoken to our chief tech support officer, Paul Trainer. We've spoken to Gary Warren, who's an NCBI volunteer in Kildare. And we spoke to Mobin Ichbel, who's running a technology support helpline in the UK.
Well, this month, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by a relatively new volunteer to NCBI, lovely gentleman who I've been getting to know over the last hour or so, sitting in my office, Connor McGuire. Connor, welcome to our podcast. Yeah, lovely to be here. Great to have you. Um, it's interesting because we, we, we sort of sprung this on you in the last day or so because Connor was arranging to come in to see me and I sent him an email to say, by the way, would you talk to us for the podcast? So thank you for doing this at relatively short notice. You're welcome. You're, you're you know, you're, I suppose, relatively new to NCBI and you're relatively new to the area of sight loss. Yeah, um, I, I, I have a background in IT myself, but um, three or four years ago, um, started having some, you know, noticing some some bigger problems with my eyes. Um, I was always short sighted, but um, and then uh, saw some good doctors here in Dublin, and they uh, diagnosed it as rod cone dystrophy. So it's um, you know issues. My issues are with my central vision, so it's a little bit slower moving, but uh, than say something like RP. But nonetheless, it affects the central vision. And that obviously had, has had quite a big effect on my IT career and just things like reading and so on. So, uh, yeah, it had quite a big effect on me personally. Um, but then, yeah, then I've kind of, through various recommendations, I, I, I uh, ended up talking to uh, uh, the NCBI in Plandalkin just about technology initially, just to learn some things and... Uh, then seemed like a good fit that maybe I could use my some of my IT background as a as a volunteer as well as learning um, some things to help myself as well. Okay, so. well, and we'll talk a little bit about how you're going to use some of those skills with NCBI because there's something kind of exciting that certainly I've been you've been telling me about it and I'm kind of excited uh, that some of our podcast listeners might like to get involved in. But before we do that. Um, one of the things when, when I heard your name first it was from, from Trevor Lyons who's, who's NCBI's technology trainer over in Clondalkin and he was telling me when he was describing he said Connor worked in, in, in the Silicon Valley and I always think anyone who's come from Silicon Valley is very cool what was it like in Silicon Valley? <laughs> yeah well I am very cool <laughs> no, so Silicon uh, Valley is kind of like Steve Jobs and the garage and all that is it? Is uh, yeah it I, I cool? would go for lunch with Steve and, and, oh, and, and, and a regular Mark and Zuckerberg on a regular yeah. basis Tim okay. Cook all these guys um, I was actually physically quite close to all those people but I worked for a very um, non-cool financial company I'm afraid um, just down the road from them but doing yeah doing systems admin and, and network engineer I lived in San Francisco and then I would drive down there every day um, uh, and uh, I was there for about 10 years and it's a fantastic area to work in and uh, yeah and then the similar similar stuff in New York for three or four years um, and before I decided to uh, move home just right before the economy crashed <laughs> and, and and I suppose geographically speaking, is is Silicon Valley because I, I know nothing about this. Is yeah. it a is it a is it a town? Is it a is it a, just this cluster of, of factories? Uh, uh, no, no, it wouldn't be. Well, yeah, there would be quite a few factories. It is centered around. I suppose you could say it's centered around the city of San Jose, and also um, Palo Alto, uh, the two which kind of be oh, a smaller yeah. area. But it is. A, a, a fairly broad area now and in a way it kind of almost includes San Francisco itself now um, there's a lot of big headquarters are in San Francisco City now and um, so yeah it does I suppose the name itself conjures up all sorts of images but really it's just a lot of freeways and a few big business campuses but there's a it is quite sunny, okay. <laughs> which always helps. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. that's true. So, so, so let's talk a little bit about the. I guess when when you when you come to a point where you acquire sight loss, I suppose, or you acquire a vision impairment, and you are turning to find ways that technology can help you. 
were you were you sort of how did you how did you find how did you start finding the the, the levels of technology that are out there were you were you impressed were you amazed did you did you find stuff that would help you sort of straight away yeah, uh, it, it took me a little while not because I, I wasn't able to find stuff it was more just because I refused to really even uh, even look um, because I just figured well I'll just I'll kind of muddle through like I'd always done and it kind of took a, a, f- a fair while before I actually said you know what I need to make changes on my computer and that really was the start and it was a few simple things that made a huge difference for me personally which was changing everything to high contrast uh, it instantly made a huge difference and then also a little bit of magnification um, and making the resolution you know quite um, quite low or quite high depending on what we want to look at it so everything is quite big um, and for me that was the thing that there were the simplest things that you would anybody would say well why don't you do this but it for some reason I just I was it, it took me a while to actually make those changes because I think once I I kind of knew once I made those changes, it was almost like okay, I was accepting. Okay, you do have you have to deal with this now. It's it's real, and um, but that was a, it was the best thing I ever did because from then on things naturally just progressed and um, you know got more con- you know we got a smartphone and was able to use that properly by again using high contrast um, and uh, just got a lot more confidence telling people uh, as well that listen, I need help with this, or I can't see that, which I never would have done before. Um, and so the technology helped with that, and and even things like reading, which has been a huge love of mine all my life, big reader, um, and uh, I wasn't really able to do that anymore. But then I said, oh, I'll try an audio book, and didn't really think I'd be that into it, but actually it's been great. So technology really has helped uh, just get back a bit of feeling of things that I like enjoy doing and and also hopefully career-wise has made a difference as well so were you surprised at the amount of built-in accessibility that exists in let's say mainstream things like Windows or Android like that that for example you could make these little tweaks and it would make it much easier to use or were you expecting god I'm gonna have to get a special package to enlarge the screen um I suppose I, I wasn't, I'll be honest, I wasn't hugely surprised, but I definitely was, uh, I was surprised at what a, diff- what a difference it did make to me, even though it was something relatively obvious. Um, so, uh, although I'd say on the Android, on the, I have an Android phone, and I um, have to say there was quite a few uh, good options on there for me personally. I know a lot of uh, people with low vision are, use also use Apple, you know, they use the iPhones, which have uh, some advantages. But for me, the things that I really need, which again is contrast and magnification, the Android is fine, and um, uh, it's and also on a tablet as well. It's been great, and uh, I think it's in a way, it's it's a, it's if you're going to have low vision, you know, this is it's not a bad time to have it. If there's you know there's no good time, but there really are some fantastic uh, even apps and things out there um, that just make life like even for me, like the Dublin bus app, something as simple as that. Um, you know the fact that I can look at that in negative colours um, just it's something simple but it makes getting around for me so much easier it strikes me that NCBI are blessed to have found someone like you with your I suppose technical skill set what kind of things have you been doing with NCBI since you joined our volunteering ranks I've been doing a day or two a week in the Clondalkin office which is where I'm, I'm actually from where I, where I grew up um, which is just kind of by chance. Um, I'm working with Trevor Lyons, and he's been showing me um, a lot of the assistive technologies um, that are available, and none of which I would have even heard of before or even knew that they existed. 
And my first day with him even, I mean, he just showed me a few things on the computer that were kind of in a way obvious, but I, I'd never thought of trying. And like, I never knew what a CCTV was. I never knew you could get something to read, you know, a screen reader. Um, it, it was just a kind of a world that I hadn't really ever really been um, exposed to before. But it sort of, sort of tweaked some, something in me as well about my own IT background and this technology and, and just got me thinking, you know, is this something that I, maybe I could be of some use as well as learning things for myself. So I started doing a couple of days a week there with Trevor doing that kind of stuff and um, learning some of that technology. And, uh, you know, hopefully now that's going to... I'm going to be doing a bit more of that now over the next six months in Clondalk and a bit more a bit more of a structured way and um, really, you know, really looking forward to it. Fantastic. Hopefully means that means we can probably get you back on this podcast in the future as well. Yes, we can, we can only hope. <laughs> okay. So one of the other things you're going to be doing is uh, you have already established, in fact, a, would I, if I call it a peer support group, is that is that something along the lines? Of? Uh, yeah, but I wouldn't, uh, I'd stay away from the word support only okay. because it's, um, it's not that it's not support, but there is quite a lot of support groups out there. This is uh, really a social group and um, it, it's it, the idea, the essential idea behind it is that there are will be regular let's say once a month uh, at a minimum social events planned that people can easily find out where they're on there'll be VIP focused um, meaning that um, that they'll take into account VIPs so for example let's say it's a, it might be a trip to the National Concert Hall or something people can find out when it's on they can um, say that they want to go or if they're bringing somebody with them and uh, they'll be set up in such a way that the, the venue and myself and other volunteers you know will be aware that there are VIPs coming it won't just be um, just so you're not just going cold to a venue and wondering God is someone there to assist no, me no it'll be planned okay. every, every event is planned in terms of the venue and it's it's it, it came out of a conversation I had with um, John Delaney who uh, does counselling and um, he uh, just saying that there's a lot of isolation um, associated with low vision and blindness and even with all the technology nowadays people some people are still just um, uh, spending a lot of time even on their computers but they're not getting out oh, yeah. and uh, because of my background in IT and because I use this this particular group um, it's well it's a, it's a an established um, international group called meetup.com is the is the over is kind of the, the platform that it's built around and it's really just a way for people to meet up with other people who have similar interests and it could be anything it could be um it could be surfing it could be knitting it could be a reading group it could be anything and it's like-minded people um getting together to do things that they're interested in and i just thought well this actually might work for um for a, a low vision group uh, as a, as a, essentially as a social group to organize regular events so at this website meetup.com i set up a community on there called um the VIP Social Club, um, just simple as that, and it's got about twenty-five members now at the moment. Um, and we had our first meeting in town in a venue in town there about oh, nearly a month ago. Now we had seventeen people uh, there, a lot of whom hadn't met before. Fantastic! There was a lot of laughter, a lot of you know friends were made, and mm. it was now it was the inaugural one. And there's obviously it's a bit of a learning curve for me too. I've never really done anything like this before. But it seems to be growing, and the, the one of the key points is that it's I'm independent of the NCBI of fighting blindness of 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 any of the groups, and I'm hoping that they're going to feed into this with sure. ideas for events and also to get it out to their members. So that's why this is fantastic because 
hopefully you know this will get a few more people to uh, at least go along and maybe just check out uh, sign up and see if it's something they might be interested in so on that note people listen to this podcast because by the way it strikes me as a really great way that somebody can maybe who hasn't been out in a little while can go out into a, a safe social environment yeah. where you where where you know something there's sometimes and I can say this as a blind person by the way it's been mm. blind all my life there's sometimes that you just want to be in an environment where it doesn't matter if you walk over walk into a chair and you're going to get yeah. a pint or yeah. whatever you know yeah, yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter yeah. so if someone's listening to this podcast and I'm, I've no doubt by the way there'll be people listening who want to who want to get involved in this how do they do it they would uh, the easiest way to do it is to um go to meetup.com it's just a m e e t u p.com and uh you would it's a two step process you have to join meetup.com which is the kind of parent platform just like you would join facebook or twitter or whatever and once you've joined that um it's a fairly simple process and and do it on your pc there's some people that you know have done it on tablets and have downloaded an app there's also an app but it can be a bit tricky especially if you've low vision or blind so uh, i would say register with meetup.com on your pc um and once you've actually registered um you then uh, on the main page there's a there's a big fi- uh, an option to find or search and you would look for vip space social space club and um you should it should take you straight to 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 that group so so will that work a bit like then you follow the group will will yeah. get notifications then if that's, you're hosting that's exactly how it okay. works so you you basically click to join the group once once you found the group you join it and you then you're asked a couple of questions because uh, Again, it's the internet, and there's a bit of vulnerability in terms yeah. of anything on the internet, regardless of whether you've sight loss or not. Um, so I, I like to have an idea, basically, about who, everybody who's joined, just some some reference point that I can feel comfortable. Um, because I did have a few people. I didn't have any uh, barrier initially, and I had a few people who joined up thinking they saw VIP Social Club. They didn't read what it was about, and I think they thought it was champagne and caviar. And <laughs> now, if they were going to provide it, that might be. Yeah, okay. now, listen, I'm not saying that's not going to happen in the future, <laughs> but it's uh, not any time soon. Okay. But anyway, so they join up, and then yes, when I post an event, they will get a notification saying, "Are you interested in this?" And when you do, you you RSVP, or if you want to bring someone, whatever. And then I have a, an idea of how many are coming, and so on and so forth. So it's fairly automated but the signing up can be the trickiest part but uh, you know I've done it for a few people I've actually signed them up myself if someone is interested they can um, they can send me an email uh, gmail if they want and I can help set them up and the, the email address is vip scdub at gmail.com and I can tell them more and I can help them out if, if they're having issues navigating the site alright sounds like a, a fantastic um, initiative and well done for kind of bringing that together sometimes I think it takes people a little bit outside of this scene to come in you know sort of cold so to speak and see oh there's something we could do because sometimes those of us who've been on the scene yeah. for a while get a little bit um, look a little bit inside I suppose yeah no yeah, maybe maybe that's what it is and it's something that just kind of struck me straight away and maybe when you're inside it for a while there's, a lot, you, there's probably a huge amount of things you feel need to be done and, and whereas me I just someone mentioned it and it seemed like it might be a good fit with my background but listen it's early days I don't know but it seems to be taking off so we'll see Connor, it's been lovely to chat to you and I suppose um, in particular we're we're delighted that you're joining the NCBI Volunteer Corps because we've said it before on this podcast, volunteers are the lifeblood of so much of what NCBI does and we've learned so much about that over the last few months in terms of the people we've spoken to who are offering such vital help to, um, to people all over the country with their technology. So Again, sincere thanks for coming in and hope we're going to chat to you in the not-too-distant future in the podcast. Very welcome. Thanks, George.
and many thanks to Connor Maguire there. It's so lovely to meet somebody new, have a new voice on the podcast and uh, a new volunteer for NCBI and uh, someone who I think uh, is going to, he, he's, he's going to make waves, this guy. He's, he's a really, really nice person. I had the pleasure of hanging out with Connor a little bit after we did that interview. And he's such a nice guy with a lovely manner. And I think he's going to make a fantastic trainer. So we're delighted to have him in the ranks of our volunteer uh, cohort within NCBI. Of course, thanks too to Salim, uh, talking all about uh, lots of exciting things in iOS 9. And have you tried Apple Music yet? If you have, let us know. I've been playing with it for the last little while. I like it so much, I ditched my Spotify. My Spotify subscription is no more. Uh, will I regret it? We'll have to wait and see. And of course, Sharon Lyons, who never disappoints with Sharon's shortcuts. She'll be back in August, as will Colin Kenny be joining us, uh, mentioned earlier, and Paul Trainer and John O'Regan uh, from Cork, who has a new blog called the A11Y Files. That's all for this month. Thank you for joining us. Have a great month. Enjoy the summer and the sunshine and talk to you in August. From Stuart Lawler, take care and goodbye. <laughs>